0: Welcome. All with me. Oh no! Oh my God! I shot my eye out. These go to eleven. Reading Starfighter. I still baby. 40 going on? Fourteen. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Forty Going On Fourteen. I am Mike.
1: I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And I am the kindest, bravest, warmest, most wonderful human being you've ever known in your life. Or so the other three have said, all in unison in response to a prearranged code word.
0: Yeah, that was. Mm. What
2: what is that code word? I'm not going to say it now.
3: Prostate milking. (laughs) Mike is the nicest, warmest. Oh, wait.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this week we are doing the Manchurian candidate, the one from 1963 up against the 2004 version 62
1: 62 we're on a on a little streak here of really old movies and the now being like right at the beginning of what we could consider
0: now there's two in a row i'm loving it (laughs) we haven't done this many black and white movies in a row in a long while so uh but yeah that's what uh that's what we're doing this week we've got a little frank sinatra going on we've got actually really interesting frank frank sinatra role up against um Denzel Washington.
1: Incredibly stacked cast for the remake. I was surprised.
3: Yeah, very large cast. A lot of of ones that I just am a big fan of.
0: But yes, so welcome to the Manchurian Candidate Show. The depressing show. The code word has been inserted somewhere in the show notes. Ooh. Let us know if you notice win a prize. The prize is Joel,
2: it's Swordfish
0: ta patrick is the nicest biggest piece of shit i've ever seen <laughs> i'm now gonna bite <laughs> your shoulder
3: yeah
0: all right so if you'd like to get in touch with us give us a call at 708 now rap 708-669-9727 you can also join the conversation on the discord by clicking the join us link in the show notes i've been a little bit disconnected from the discord this week what's what's been the chatter
1: uh in video games been talking a little bit about Diablo Immortal and uh V Rising but uh there's uh been some stranger things talk all over
0: yeah but yeah so we actually have email huh? from somebody what? this week yes Luther Smith emailed us and uh he ma- emailed us quite a while ago sorry I missed it Luther but uh, uh, today is May 23rd 2022 and I'm listening to Episode 193, the Morgan Freeman episode, released on May 28th, 2017. Somehow I have managed to listen to 5 years of your show in approximately 8 months since I started during September 2021. Wow. Listen in reverse order by the way, so 192 is next and so on. So if you listen this way, the show is also about you all giving less and less of a shit about there being any voicemails. <laughs> Well, Um, you you showed him. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, so he also wants to know, is there a Tom Hanks episode? Did we do a Tom Hanks episode? No. Nope. No. But I would love to do a Tom Hanks episode. He's one of my favorites. and I have
2: been championing that for a while. Yes. Yes.
0: Okay. Yes. No, there is not one. Yes, it is on the list. Uh, I previously had asked about episode, episodes involving the mummy and about the Evil Dead. Those episodes were great, and thanks for letting me know about them. I think that I Pat and I could sit down with a bong, some snacks, and the Evil Dead movies. And by the end of the day, I think he'd be like, "Okay, I'm down." For anyway,
2: what? I'm down for a lot of that. I mean, <laughs> just not the last bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's no, certain portions I might want to change, but
0: yeah, change out the Evil Dead. I'm thinking. Anyway, guys, thanks for all the shows. I definitely enjoy your podcast and appreciate your efforts. Thank you, Luther Smith. Yes,
1: we're still efforting. Sorry. Of. Yes. <laughs> <is>, and effort. <laughs>
3: if he's listening in reverse order, he's never going to hear this response.
1: <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> maybe he'll roll the machine. He'll, he'll get to one. He'll go, what now? And then he'll show up at episode 420.
0: Oh, my yeah. God. Maybe he'll be like Gandhi. He'll hit, hit below zero. And then he's just going to hate us.
1: He'll start announcing he's going to nuke us at any moment.
0: <laughs> it's gonna
2: oh, be weird. That... Listen to him in reverse order. Yeah, we would get better as it keeps going. <laughs> we get more professional as he keeps listening.
0: There's a, there's there's a handful of the older shows that I'm working through and been remastering because I've gone into the editing and been like, what the hell was I thinking on the editing on this? And
3: he's adding additional special effects. There's more yeah. Java.
0: Joel shot first. Uh, yep. Yeah, <laughs> Pew! Like for the first 30 or so episodes, I was, I was posting them in stereo, which I don't know why. Cause we're not like we're doing music or doing anything that would involve stereo. So the file sizes are literally double what they needed to be. So the things you learn. Huh? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so in the meantime, I think it's about that time. It is... This Week in Music, Movies, and TV.
3: And Sports.
0: This week we're going with October 24th, 1962, the release of the original Manchurian Candidate.
3: Mm. All right, so music. The number one song in the land was... Monster Mash by Bobby Boris Pickett and the Crip Kickers. Notice how I didn't read the little note there to myself.
1: (laughs) It was a graveyard smash. Yes, I I imagine Joel piddled a little when he read that.
3: Oh, that you were talking to me in the notes? Or that uh, it was the Monster Mash?
2: Monster Mash, yeah.
3: The notes know it's me. They know it's me. Somebody cares. You have to Uh sing
2: Monster Mash. Oh, you have to?
3: Oh <laughs> well, he really hates the monster mash, or she really <laughs> hates the monster mash.
2: Don't get her started on monster mash.
3: Ah, <laughs> uh, that's a good, good reference, sick reference, bro. I mean, you know what's everybody? I mean, not everybody, but what's not to love about the monster mash? I mean, yes, of course, being a a horror film fanatic, I I appreciate it, but
2: it is cheesy good. You know, you know I always talk about cheesy bad, cheesy good. It's cheesy good.
3: And I mean, it—you it, have to at least at some point in your life, when you were a youth, went to a Halloween party or some variation of that where this was playing. I Did would you think. say youth? Right. What's, What's a youth? <laughs> nah. Okay, moving on. Oh Jesus! So the acronym of the week is the very first thing, which is LATA.
1: Well, I'm pretty sure that stands for Lance Armstrong Testicle Avenger. <laughs>
3: Wait, is he fighting for or against testicles?
2: Obviously, against them, he removed one. Yeah, he's definitely, he's definitely anti-testicle. Oh
0: well, he may yeah, be pro, he pro-testicle now that he only has one. He's he's one. He's my brethren.
3: Is that anything like Will Farrell's show on Thirty Rock?
2: Oh, Bitch Hunter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, sorry, sorry, Josh. That is. Uh, live at the apollo Uh, oh yeah credit
1: where it's due uh sometimes sarah helps me with them sometimes i come up with one if she gets one that was better i use hers that one was hers (laughs) good job sarah
3: Alright, uh, so Live at the Apollo was the first live album by James Brown and the Famous Flames, recorded at the Apollo Theater in Harlem on October 26th. In 2004, it was one of 50 recordings chosen by the Library of Congress for the National Recording Registry. In 1998, it was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame, which that is a lot of praise for a live record. A well, lot.
2: pretty fucking good. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but it it's, it's good. If you ever want to fucking have like a jam and party good time,
1: slap that bad boy on. Ah. Huh. I so try like, to avoid jam and party good times, but <laughs> noted. Well, cuz when time I think the it'll...
2: mood strikes, you want to funk out.
1: <laughs> oh, I funk out all the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just not on the dance floor
1: <laughs> and he washes
3: his hands afterwards. Ew! Ew! Yeah, what? Fun. Get oh. junk out. I was talking about pooping. What are you talking
2: about? Oh, I was talking about jerking off.
3: Oh, well, that that tracks.
2: In case it wasn't clear, that's what was going on there. If it's you clear, you should see don't poop with your
1: junk out. How does that work?
3: <laughs> He's got a little a little flap in the back. <laughs>
1: Old timey pajamas. I, I wear I wear the I
2: wear, you know, banana hammocks like the Todd, so I just like pull the strap aside, you know. So my junk's still covered, but <laughs> we're so off the rails.
0: Worst image I have in my mind in weeks. <laughs> Jump back. Poop myself. Hi. Fuck out, um, junk out. No, uh, stop, stop, stop saying that. <laughs>
3: It's junk out June.
2: <laughs> 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 I dated her.
3: Uh, uh, moving on, uh, and finally, born October twenty ninth. All right, this is what you were talking about, Einar Urn <laughs> Benedekson. I thought going to be good. This is great, Urn Benedekson. There we go, Einar Urn Benedexen often billed as Einar Ern, is an Icelandic punk music singer, Trump player, artist, and politician, a former member of the sugar cubes, along with Bjork and others. He is a current member of the ghost, Di- ghost digital. Oh, that's fun to say. Uh, he served as a member of the, <laughs> what?
0: Nothing. Nothing. Ghost continue. Digital? Yeah.
3: It's fun to say the, uh, Reykjavik City Council between 2010 and 2014 as a member of the satirical Best Party, which disbanded after he served his term. See, I took German, and I, I know about Björk, you know, Goodman's daughter, and uh, Icelandic is not that far off with the umlaut, so... Urn. Björk. It's just, it's a like a... sound with the O. Björk, it's not that difficult. I had more trouble with the last name. Bennett I think. There's two S's mm-hmm. that's throwing me off. Anyway. Moving yes. on. Motley like, Crue. <laughs>
2: this
3: song, Crue, 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 Crue,
1: What is wrong with you?
3: That's how Patrick okay, used to I, sing let's,
1: it. Let's just move on to movie, shall we? Yeah. The number one movie in the land was The Longest Day, a war epic with a star-studded cast about the D-Day landings at Normandy.
0: It is a great, great movie. Yes. I mean, and when they say star-studded, it's John Wayne, Robert Ryan, Henry Fonda, Paul Anka, Eddie Albert, Red Buttons, Sean Connery. I mean, it's just a great, great war movie. Mm -hmm. Wait.
3: Was that the one with uh, Einar Uren? Was he in that?
0: Yes, he was.
3: That's a thing apparently. Okay, go yeah. ahead.
1: All right. So <laughs> Ivan Simon Carey Elways was born on October 26th. He is an English actor and writer best known for his leading roles in The Princess Bride, Robin Hood Men in Tights, and the Saw film series. He also appeared in the films Glory, Hot Shots, The Jungle Book, Days of Thunder, Bram Stoker's Dracula, Twister, Liar Liar, and A Christmas Carol, among others. He's also appeared on television in a number of series, including The X-Files, Seinfeld, Stranger Things, and The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. He's popping up all over the place.
2: I don't remember him on Stranger Things. What was he in there?
1: He's the mayor in season three. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, I I forgot all about that.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's kind of like... Bonus carry.
3: He's just like, wait, what? Is that somebody you dated too, Patrick?
1: Bonus carry.
3: <laughs> you get this carry and bonus carry.
1: <laughs> Speaking of things Patrick has dated, Luis Beavers was... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's right there. I had to... Louise Beavers was an American film and television actress who appeared in dozens of films and two hit television shows from the 1920s until 1960, most often cast in the role of a maid, servant, or slave. Forced due to the times into playing mammy roles when she first started, Beavers was the first African-American woman to have a secondary storyline in 1934's Imitation of Life was the first time in American cinematic history that a black woman's problems were given major emotional weight in a major Hollywood motion picture, though Beavers was denied the opportunity to be nominated for an Academy Award. Beavers was one of three actresses, including Hattie McDaniel and Ethel Waters, to portray Beulah on The Beulah Show, the first television sitcom to star a black person. She also played a maid for the first two seasons of The Danny Thomas Show. Beavers died of a heart attack on October 26th absorbed
2: and like if you look her picture up she's like the quintessential you know she'd been a maid in almost every movie you'd ever seen from the, the anything 1950s and before
1: oh yeah okay daphne Eury- Eurydice or zuniga is an American actress who was born on October twenty eighth. She's been in several films such as The Sure Thing and The Fly two, but she is most well known for her role as Princess Vespa in Spaceballs.
2: That was pretty good for Rambo.
0: I haven't watched Spaceballs in too long. Oh yeah. So,
2: did you see? Anything?
3: We ain't found shit.
0: No, sir. I didn't see you playing with your dolls, sir. <laughs> Why did somebody tell me my ass was so big?
3: <laughs> Spaceballs, the breakfast cereal. We, all learned right.
2: the all flame sorts of,
1: we learned all sorts of additional names for stars. Like I did not know about Ivan Simon or Eurydice. That is a
0: very Ivan fascinating S- name. Today I learned how to say Eurydice. And Earn. <laughs> and <Aaron. laughs> and Urn. <Aaron. laughs> Ivan Eurydice Urn. Uh, the top shows in the land for TV Beverly Hillbillies, Candid Camera, The Red Skelton Show, and Bonanza.
3: And the theme song from Green
0: Acres.
2: <laughs>
3: yeah, that's for that's, the a, that's,
0: a, so, that's some solid entertainment right there. Man, that I watched some, the hell out of some Beverly Hillbillies, right?
3: Oh yeah, In the Cement Pond.
2: Cement Pond. Yeah, I mean mm-hmm. the first couple seasons of of uh, Beverly Hillbillies is really actually pretty good comedy.
0: Yeah, it's good stuff. I always liked it. Also. In TV, the Cuban Missile Crisis dominates the televisions of America this week as the United States President John F. Kennedy addressed a nation about Russian missile bases in Cuba and imposed naval blockades on Cuba beginning the crisis. And it's a good thing this movie came out around this time, too.
3: Right? It Seems it's appropriate.
0: Like, there's, there's some other trivia about this, too, about like, actually... Uh, the producer asking JFK if it was cool if they le- released the movie type of thing. So, born October 22nd, Robert John Odenkirk is an American actor, comedian, and filmmaker, best known for, his, known for his role as Saul Goodman on the series Breaking Bad and its spinoff, Better Call Saul. He's also known for the HBO sketch comedy show Mr. Show with Bob and David, which he co-created and starred with with fellow comic and friend David Cross. And he's a hell of an ass kicker and nobody. I was gonna say, and he's in the star of Nobody. And if you haven't seen it, you need to. And Better Call Saul is excellent. Yeah, I gotta watch that.
2: It's very good, and uh, the co-star is excellent. Who played Kim Wexler? She's she's very good.
0: Well, and Mr.
3: Show is fantastic. Mr.
1: Show is an acquired taste. Like agreed. uh, yeah, maybe not as much as something like Tim and Eric Gossum show, but like it definitely it's not going to be for everybody.
2: I it took me them. a while
3: to get into it, but
1: I, I
3: I like it now.
2: All right, moving on to sports. Born October 10th in Baltimore, Alabama, Evander Hollifield is an American professional boxer. He was the undisputed world heavyweight champion from 1990 to 1992 and the WBA champion on three separate occasions pretty sure you guys even know who evander Holyfield is correct i mean you'd have to yeah i mean if if you don't know that's the dude who tyson's bit his ear i Mm -hmm. mean if if that's your pop culture reference for him then then that will have to do
1: yeah i mean that's what he will anytime his name comes up that's always going to be associated with him yeah but he was he was a hell of a monster
3: Paluca. who are you talking about there punchy
2: Sorry, I called attention to that. Moving along. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Edward Cantrell, born October 28th, is a former Dutch cricketer who played 33 first-class matches for Queensland and once for Australia. He played all his five 1D8 ODIs. I, in the middle of it, decided to change it to ODI, so saying One Day International. So that came out well. He played all five of them for the Netherlands during his 1996 World Cup, where he was scored 160 runs. This is his entire ODA career in 160 runs. It's not very good. 32 a game. Anyway, he was coach of the Netherlands for the 2007 World Cup, but stood down as head coach after the tournament. Oh. Yeah, that was the, the best cricket facts I could find for the week. There was really nothing exciting.
3: Yeah, they were weak. That's true. Yeah. That's all right. They can't all be wieners. rick <laughs> I was just doing that yesterday. Laura's like, what's that sound that you make that Patrick likes? And I'm like, get, 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 get. she's like, I like that too. So I just started going, get, 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 get. And
2: I, just, I just imagine you wearing a straw hat while you're doing it. <laughs> anyway, play us off keyboard,
1: Joel.
0: Nice. So the year was
1: 1962.
0: The Manchurian candidate came out a neo-noir psychological political thriller
3: neo-noir mid-sized car (laughs) (laughs) neo-noir
0: the hell does that even mean it's a
3: schmidt reference sorry
0: oh okay don't even know that one so uh about the cold war and sleeper agents stars Frank Sinatra, Lawrence Harvey, and others. We'll get into it a little bit later. But it centers around Korean War veteran Raymond Shaw, part of a prominent political family. He is brainwashed by communists after his army platoon is captured, returns to civilian life in the States, where he becomes an unwitting assassin for the international communist conspiracy. The group, which includes representatives from the People's Republic of China and the Soviet Union, plan to assassinate the presidential nominee, of an american political party leading to the overthrow of the u.s government so it was released october 24th in 62 at the height of u.s soviet hosti- hostility during the cuban missile crisis you know timing that's it uh it was widely acclaimed by western critics and was nominated for two academy awards for best supporting actress for angela lansbury and best editing Was selected in 1994 for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant.
2: Hey, somebody should have mentioned that in the tweet.
0: Yeah, I know. Ah. All right, so this is directed by John Frankenheimer, who would then go on to do Black Sunday, which, if you haven't seen it, it's a. Movie about a group of terrorists that are trying to blow up the Goodyear blimp over the Super Bowl.
2: Oh, I've, yeah, I've seen that.
0: And it's based off of a um, crap. No, just lost his name. Never even be, who, heard of that. Oh, it's good. It's a good movie. Yeah, um, it's That's who wrote Jurassic Park? To Michael Crichton. My, it's it's a Michael Crichton book, I think. If I if I remember correctly, it's based off a Michael Crichton novel. Yeah, I oh, he think my also dad did. was
2: watching that one day, and I like watched the, the like the last three quarters of it with him. He was I walked in, and he was watching it. So.
0: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> also, did the movie Prophecy about a logging company that trespasses on sacred Indian land, and a demon bear gets released? It's oh, I really thought it was cheesy. a Christopher
3: Walken demon movie, but uh, funny that is another
2: demon no. movie. Yeah, they released a man bear pig,
3: man bear pig,
0: and the unfortunate. Island of Doctor Moreau. Mm. Now he's tagged with this one, but he's not. There were like four different directors on that. Yeah, movie. There, that, the correctly. whole
2: thing is just a giant mess.
0: The, yeah, I've watched your on
2: on how that oh, movie go. blew up is better than the movie itself,
1: right? It, and it's a shame because, like, I thought it was well cast. I was interested in it and just wasn't good. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I I've seen that that show that you're talking about, Pat, about what everything that happened behind the scenes there. Mm-hmm. And that's fascinating. Um, This is based on a book by Richard Condon, who also wrote Pridzy's Honor. Very different (laughs) from this. Yeah, Yeah. well, I mean, in a way, kind of. It's, you know, a mobster movie. Right, well, but... uh, Screenplay by George Axelrod, who also wrote Breakfast at Tiffany's and The Seven-Year Itch. And John Frankenheimer, who was... Uncredited on this one, uncredited on the movie Grand Prix, and uncredited on the movie the well inspired by for but the Butterfly Effect too,
2: but somehow credited on the Island of Dr. Moreau,
0: which he hardly did anything on. Right. <laughs> so that's kind of yeah. weird. I mean, I'm not sure if he's yeah. like, yeah, don't tell anybody. Yeah, yeah kind of tell people. I don't know. Don't tell anything. I don't even know.
2: He's got a whole career just behind the scenes.
0: Just don't bring me up. It's cool.
1: <laughs> He's like, I'm finally ready. Give me my credit. Okay. Island of Dr. Moreau. Shit. <laughs> Back behind the scenes.
2: I am not ready anymore.
0: <laughs> so this is starring A1 Frank Sinatra as Major True. Bennett Marco. I know, right? This new guy. Yeah, up on the thing. You may know him from From Here to Eternity. We talked about that last week, actually. The man with the golden uh, arm. Which is an that Excellent one. movie, yeah. Oh some came running, uh, he was in Cannonball Run, too. All sorts of stuff.
2: But if you want to see Frank Sinatra act his balls off, see the man with the golden arm,
0: yeah. He wasn't exactly, um, phoning it in on this one either. I mean, he was had some serious, no, for sure. I'm
2: just, I'm just saying, like, that was like, like. He deserved the Oscar nomination he got for that one.
1: There's definitely, like, all of the movies that you can tell he was trying to break away from the Rat Pack, uh, you're only in movies because you're famous. Right. And, like, trying to prove he could actually act. This is in that category.
0: Definitely. definitely. He sweats a lot. Yeah, he does. Also, Lawrence Harvey as Raymond Shaw in this. Uh, You may know him from... Colonel Will, William Barrett from the Alamo. We watched oh. that. Oh. Yeah. He was, was also.
2: Yeah, I, the whole time I was like, I recognize this guy from something, but it didn't bug me enough to look it up.
0: Yeah. Room at the Top, where he played Joe Lampton, and um, The Wonderful World of the Brothers Grimm. So he had some to his name, uh, Janet I mean, Lee. Very chiseled, very
2: chiseled look, Lawrence Harvey had.
0: Yes. Yeah. Uh, Janet Lee. Everyone knows her from Psycho, also from Touch of Evil. She was in Mm -hmm. the 1980s version of The Fog. And unfortunately, her final final movie was Bad Girls from Valley High in 2005. Hmm. Could have been worse. It could
3: have been Bad Girls from Valley High 2.
0: That's true. It had Aaron Paul in it, though, which is kind of weird. <laughs> He's calling <everything clears throat> <a> it <bitch. laughs> Angela Lansbury playing Mrs. Eleanor Shaw Islin. Oh, she, she was like
1: fucking Dolores Umbridge, man!
0: Isn't she? Is straight up evil in this one, mm-hmm. and um, she plays
1: it restrained. Like I, I was a big fan of her performance. I like her in just about everything, mm-hmm. and I liked her even better in this than the uh,
0: Death on the Nile. Yeah, you may know her as. Miss Price from Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Miss Potts from Beauty and the Beast. Uh, what else? Murder she, was, she wrote. Murder she wrote. She wrote. Murder she she wrote. wrote. She yeah, wrote. totally <laughs> blanked out of that one. <laughs> well, I was thinking about I'm thinking about. I have mean, seen a, a bunch of movies. I mean, she was what, in. What's her name on that show though?
2: I, I uh, was to Fletcher. To. Yeah.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah my
1: my mom watched that every single week, and it was one of. It was the, one of the few shows that she was super into that I didn't hate. So I ended up watching most of the run of Murder, She Wrote.
2: Well, yeah, it makes sense. Murder mystery, even if it you know, might be kind of uh, feminine, kind whatever of you want to call it. Yeah, cheesy and, and girly <clears throat> and whatever. It's still a murder mystery. Well, yeah, like- and
1: it's not necessarily the girly stuff. It was like her other shows were Dr. Quinn and like uh, uh, Walker, Texas Ranger. Just like not very good shows. Hmm how dare you
3: <laughs> Quinn Texas Ranger
0: I always like the theory that Jessica Fletcher is. was actually a mass murderer she was actually a, a psychopath and just managed to be so smart that she blamed pointing out and getting the blame on somebody else every time she killed somebody
2: framing people everywhere she goes
0: Yeah,
3: last episode she ends up on Dexter's
0: table <laughs> <laughs> let me go <laughs> Henry Silva as Jin. Oh, Henry yeah. Sylvan. The flat face himself. Yeah. A little bit a unfortunate face. these days.
2: Has, I always thought it was like due to botched plastic surgery. No, he just has a weird face.
0: Yeah. Uh, some things that he's been in. He was the influence in Dick Tracy. He was in uh, Ghost Dog. Yes,
1: he was a Ray Vargo. Yeah. Yep.
0: And he also does, uh, in the um, DC animated series, He does the voice of Bane. Oh, yeah, that's fine. I didn't know that.
2: Wasn't he also one of the evil guys in Above the Law, the
1: Steven Seagal movie? I think he was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Zagon. I'm looking at his IMDb right now because he's one of those guys that's been in all sorts of stuff since the 60s. But like, you're like, oh, yeah, it's that guy with the face again. Right,
3: he should have played like Robert Zadar's cousin or something in the movie, <laughs> yeah. or his illegitimate son or something.
0: Yep, then we have James Gregory playing Senator John Yerkes Island, who I swear to god, watching this movie, and I'm like, is that Deep Throat from X Files? I thought it was uh Jerry Harden.
1: Oh, I could see that,
0: yeah, or Jerry Harden's dad. I mean, because I wasn't, I didn't, you didn't really see get a good face on him real quick and i thought it would yeah. be, he looks just like jerry harden uh you may know him from this or playing ursus in beneath the planet of the apes and the planet of the apes movies murderers row playing uh, with anna margaret and dean martin and inspector frank luger from barney miller i was gonna say barney
1: miller was the only thing i recognize oh. him from
0: that's, yeah, that's the first thing
3: I'll, it's all like appearing in my head. D Martin
2: here? What was that? <laughs> yeah, well, it's nice you
3: know? So,
0: of course.
2: Oh, yeah. Dino <laughs> showed up for the, obviously, for the Manchurian candidate show.
0: Yeah, right, that's how it works. Uh, Leslie Parrish is Jocelyn Jordan. Uh, know her from playing Daisy May in the Little Abner movie. She does awesome. not know her from that. She awesome. yeah, Batman. Minuteman
3: Batman. Na, 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 na. Oh
0: Batman. yeah, yeah, Batman. Uh, she the was all also... Spider Invasion. Yes.
3: Come on, uh, man. That, that that's Bill Rabane.
0: She had a, she had a lot of TV appearances, everything from Mannix to Love American Style, Family mm-hmm. Affair, Man from Uncle,
3: Attractive Lady. Indeed. Yes.
0: So along with her, we've got uh, John MacGyver. MacGyver or McGiver? MacGyver? I think. M- McGiver, McGiver, Taker. Givers and takers. McGiver, as, yeah. As Senator Thomas Jordan, uh, he was also in Breakfast at Tiffany's. He was also in Midnight Cowboy, something called Mr. Terrific. The last thing he was in was a TV series called Ellery Queen back in 1975. But what I remember him from was the Apple Dumpling Gang. <laughs> oh, man, I haven't thought about that movie in a hot minute. Right?
2: I think he's saying beers. <laughs> Three beers.
0: Don Knotts and Tim Conway, man. And a hot vodka. egg. Good stuff <laughs> all <laughs> over the place. Also, Kig... Kigigai? Is it Kaidai? Kaidai? I kai think dai. it's
1: Kaidai or
0: Kaidai, yeah. Kaidai, yeah. I think Kaidai. Uh, Dr. Yen Lo... Yep, wo Yep, from Hawaii Five O. He was also in uh, Noble House, playing with uh, Prince Office Prince ba- Prince Brosnan Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> well, last thing he did was something called Forbidden Nights, a TV movie, and uh, back in nineteen ninety. And then finally, James Edwards, Corpor- Corporal Alan Melvin. Uh Things we know him from, The Killing, and Steel Helmet, and he was also in Patton.
1: Nice. Yeah, another character actor.
0: Yeah. But no, this is... Is this a first viewing for any of us? Yes. Funny you should ask, because I
3: thought... (laughs) I I thought... Not that kind of funny. Oh. Um, I, I didn't think I'd seen it, but then as... They got to the part where they were kind of having the remembering, you know, the the point where they were kind the flower, of remembering. The flower show, that part? Yeah. Like, yeah. that part, I was like, this is really familiar. And I'm not, like, trying to be facetious or make a joke. That actually, what happened. But then the rest of it didn't, like, strike any bells or ring any mm. bells or strike any chords. So you've
2: been mentoring a candidated on this movie. so.
3: Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I'm guessing I must have seen clips from it or something.
2: Somebody showed it to you under hypnosis.
1: Possibly. Not only was this the first viewing for me, but uh, Sarah and I borrowed the DVD not a month ago because we'd never seen it. Weird. Yeah.
0: Nice. Just weird coincidence. So some trivia on this one. So Sinatra had suggested Lucille Ball for the role of Eleanor Islin, which I think would have been pretty good, too. Yeah. But Frankenheimer who had worked with Angela Lansbury in All Fall Down, insisted that Sinatra watch her performance in that film before the final choice was made. Although Lansbury played Raymond Shaw's mother, she was, in fact, only three years older than Lawrence Harvey, who played Shaw. Oh. And uh, the early scene in which Shaw, after he gets the Medal of Honor, argues with his parents, that was filmed in Sinatra's own private plane. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So that like bar thing and all that, you know, that makes sense. Uh, Yeah, I know. It also
2: makes sense why the bed folded out doing or the couch folded out to (laughs) a bed
0: in the scene where Marco attempts to deprogram Sean, the hotel room opposite the convention. uh, Sinatra is at times slightly out of focus. It was a first take, and Sinatra failed to be as effective in subsequent takes, which is a common factor in his film performance. It seemed like he would always do his best take, would always be the first one. And it seemed like that that was just his thing. First take was always a good one. He would, like, drop off afterwards. In the end, Frankenheimer decided to use the out-of-focus take, and critics subsequently praised him for showing Marco from Shaw's distorted point of view.
3: Good and job Frank- on that
0: accidental thing. And Frankenheimer is like, yeah, that's what I did. <laughs> <Sure> <laughs> Those are happy accidents, man. Yeah, I know. Right. All right. Now here we get into some weirdness in the novel. Eleanor Eisland's father had sexually abused her as a child. Before the dramatic climax, she uses her son's brainwashing to have sex with him. Concerned to the reaction of even a reference to the taboo topic like incest in a mainstream film, the filmmakers instead had Eleanor kiss Shaw on the lips to imply her incestuous attraction to him. Yeah, it was a little bit of a. Eh, yeah. 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 Got pretty. Yeah. Got kind of weird. But. And then. I, it was subtle, but not that subtle. Mm hmm. Yeah. It was like, why? They, and they had to cover the kiss with her hand, too. So that was. Now kiss. Kiss. Uh, nearly half the film's $2.2 million production budget went to Sinatra's for his salary for his performance. Another 200000 went to Harvey, and the rest of the movie was made with what was, what was left over.
2: <laughs> half that went to the alcohol budget?
0: Yep. Oh, yeah. But yeah. Um,
2: that was just because Dino stopped by.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just here to make some hamburgers.
2: What? Somebody watching Barney <laughs> Miller.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: have you have you never seen the uh the uh, Dino and Frank Sinatra hamburger recipes? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. No, okay. I was making fun of Joel. I was, oh, okay. I, was I was defaulting to, to you know <laughs> to what we always do make fun of Joel when we're stuck for a joke.
0: But no, Sorry, um, no you're not. So, <laughs>
1: this this started out a little slow. I'm not going to lie. Like the first 20, 30 minutes, I was getting a little bored. And then they hit the scene, which uh, completely captured my imagination. When they're doing the dream sequence and you're seeing the old ladies turning into what really happened. Right. Like as the uh, camera is going around. That was such
2: a great scene.
1: It's yeah. so great,
0: and when uh, it first
2: starts off, you're like, "What the fuck is happening here? What are you? What is yeah, going
0: on?" At first, you <laughs> know, at first, I was like, "Oh, you know, they've got this group there because they're, you know, they're famous, and now they're at this thing." And you know, for some reason, I thought they got, they all had like show off at something about hydrangeas,
2: right? And you're just watching it, going, "This doesn't really make sense. It's kind of disconnected." And you're like, "What's going on? And when are they going to explain what's happening here?" And then suddenly they switch to the other view, and then they go back, and, the, and it's just really well done. Yeah,
0: Yeah. The effects were done by uh, Paul Pollard, who also did special effects for The Great Escape, Outlaw Josie Wales, um, Prisoner of Zenda, and also a bunch of other.
2: I mean, they, they, they could have chosen to do that scene in a very clunky way and been like, you know, explain it all, then they show it and everything. But yeah, you know, the, the way that they chose to do that, you know, was.
0: It was subtle. Yeah. yeah. And it gave you an amazing, oh my God moment. Right. Yeah
2: absolutely i I was by the time they finally by the time they finally explain it yeah it you know you're just like oh my god yeah this is this is really you know this is amazing yeah
1: yeah i figured out what was going on right away and i was all in which i I found this movie very uneven in spots because for all of the like bold choices and imaginative storytelling good building of tension phenomenal ending there's a bunch of stuff throughout the movie where it's like okay that doesn't work that way.
2: Well, I kind of think in a way that they only had a million dollars to work with kind of explains some of that.
1: Well, like, I mean, some of it's just writing and storytelling because, like, uh, the, the bad guy's plot is just, it's kind of bad. Like, it's a bad plan. Uh, using a family member, even given their uh, stated motivation to, like, draw his mother closer, it's, it's a bad plan. And he doesn't get away and it blows up in their face. Even if he doesn't like break out of his conditioning. Also, both romance subplots don't work that way. Mm-hmm. They're the- like a t- two minute conversation on a train. And then the weirded out guy who jilted you years ago, all of a sudden is super happy. So you marry him. Both of those scenes were like, uh, what? See, yeah, the whole I,
2: the, the whole scene with with you yeah. know she leaves her fiance for the guy who clearly almost doesn't even want to talk to her. Like it's just the whole thing is just yeah, it just rung very false. Sorry.
0: See, sorry, here's the thing though is that there's always a conversation about whether or not Lee was a double A, was an agent,
2: yeah, some kind of plant.
0: Yeah, because she was saying some weird stuff when they first started that conversation. Like, Agreed. I was a Chinese—I was one of the Chinese workers who built this railroad—and I'm like, that's a really strange thing to say. Is that a code word? I mean, well, are you are you programming him right now?
1: I, I think that's the part of the intention, but like, she continues to do that. She has a weird sense of humor. She mm-hmm. claims strange things about herself, and that's just who she is. That's yeah. Not I'm just what saying It was the romance I didn't buy from either side uh, with the two of them and just from Josie with Shaw.
0: See, and I have the book on my shelf upstairs. I need to read this and see if there's more behind the conversation and how the two of them get to know each other that might flesh that out a little bit more versus what they probably had to cram into this to make it happen.
2: Yeah, and there might sure. have been stuff that got left, you know, storyboard stuff that got left behind that they couldn't shoot for budgetary reasons or whatever. Who or knows? for
1: time reasons. I get right. it. But it was, it was. there were a number of things that didn't quite work in a movie that otherwise was actually pretty good.
2: And it would have just, yeah. I was going to say, it could just be lazy writing where the guy's like, I spent so much time developing all the rest of this stuff. I'm just going to throw the rest of this into the who cares pile and just, you know. <laughs> yeah, let just it gloss aside. it over. Yeah.
0: Yay! Uh, well, I will say for a good chunk of the of the first interactions, probably up until the point up when she picked him up from the police, I seriously thought that she was his handler.
1: I get that, and I think uh, you're
0: intended to question that. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, that yeah. definitely could be a
2: directorial choice. You know, they, they want you to never really know what her relationship with him really is. Mm-hmm. Keep the, keep you off, you know, off balance and all
3: that, you know? I assume some other people were a little uncomfortable with Henry Selva's performance, yes?
1: I was just about to say, and then there's the racism. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Holy (laughs) crap, that was uh, a little cringy to watch. Even for the 60s, like, even you factor in, okay, we're going to correct for it was a different time. It was a little tough to watch.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's not quite, you know, the level of uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's, but it's it's close.
3: I mean, and it was. F-
2: go, ahead, go, ahead. go ahead. No, no, you go. Because I was I going to say cool. it was
3: it it was uh, although it was worth it for one reason only, which was we got to see Frank Sinatra do Kung Fu.
2: OK, so, you know. we are going into what I was going yeah. to talk about, because <laughs> that was possibly the weakest fight scene I've ever seen. In my life.
3: <laughs> I mean, he was well, trying to look cool, but. Don't don't
0: knock it. He broke his finger in that fight when he took the chunk out of the desk.
2: But well, my point and, being, like, if you're trying so hard to look cool while you're fighting, you're automatically going to not look cool.
1: Well, and you could see when it was the stunt man, and whatever else you have to say about that uh, fight scene, the stunt man was killing it. There yeah. was an especially good stunt yeah. where the stunt man like flies up yep, into the air yeah. and threw it, flew the through the table. Yeah,
0: you know the one. Yep, I'm, I mean. Yep. Yeah. Yep.
2: Yep. But whenever it was Frank, it looked like a guy trying to trying to pretend he knew kung fu.
0: <laughs> it looked like, like Ringo in help. Cha 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 cha. <laughs> he did need somebody. Yeah. So, but I mean, no, it was gosh. it was it filled the need. I mean, I don't even know. I can't even think what was going through their heads when they. It's it should have just
2: been a scrap instead of trying to make it some kind of like, you know, we're going to try some kind of karate. Just like a yeah.
3: street fight kind of thing. Just throwing yeah. punches yeah. and, you know, like old school Western where somebody falls through a, the front plate glass window and, you know, a table gets knocked over and that kind of shit.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Exactly. Frank Sinatra should have just walked through the door and been like, you're cheating and flipped the table over at him.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wait. And then uh, Jocelyn Jordan, little Leslie Parrish, who's you got bit by this snake. Here, let me tie that up for you with my blouse.
1: <laughs> well, not only that, but she had uh, like uh, talk about there were a few contrivances to make the plot work. That is the first, but not the only one. It's like the one guy who gets bitten by a snake happens to be met by the woman on a bike who has all the snake bite stuff because her father's afraid of snakes.
0: Yeah, it's a little convenient. Same it almost, as the uh, almost
2: like a planted memory.
0: I even wrote this down. What? What is it? What did you have here? Oh, I just happened to have my potassium pergenerite. Like, oh, good. As I mean, I wonder I...
2: if. Here's my theory it was a test run on him. They implanted that memory to see if he was susceptible to have memories planted.
0: Oh. Hmm. Well, and I mean. That,
2: that's how they chose him as a subject. They're like, all the, right. The reason.
1: I don't buy that is because there's a lot of contrivances to make the plot work. Like the bartender who happens to say, how about you play some solitaire? <laughs> <laughs> Which is, we all know though. All bartenders say that. Yeah. <laughs> right, Patrick. Well, as, as the guy who talks
2: about poker all the time, that is my first instinct. When I tell somebody you shouldn't play poker, you should play solitaire. I do say that all, I do say that like almost never. So. <laughs> so yeah
3: 52 queens
2: <laughs> but yeah, yeah it's uh like that if anything you you know you quote the movie and you tell somebody that you should have a spelling bee but anyway that that pre post dates this movie so it's not exactly applicable but yeah that he, was a very clunky conversation for sure
0: two things about that scene that i that i find was interesting they walk in i'll have a beer certainly one beer for you sir oh and, yeah i
2: hate that in movies yeah
0: <laughs> i i'll have a beer what do you and it's like I, sometimes I'm like, okay, well, they have a beer. One Maybe, human alcohol. Yes. And <laughs> the realization that they actually only had one tap. Yeah. So. It, it's like and,
2: the Archie Bunker, I call it the Archie Bunker rule. Like every, every beer is just beer.
0: Yeah. But then the, um, when he gets in the cab and he drives away. Okay. The other thing was that that location was actually owned by a friend of Frank Sinatra's. <laughs> There's Sinatra was like all over in this movie. And then they, he gets in the cab, chases him in another cab to, for him to get out at...
2: At another place Sinatra owned? Nah,
0: uh, no, well, in at, at Central Park. Um, did you recognize the Sinatra spot? owned Central Park? Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Did you recognize that location where he was walking down the stairs, Joel?
2: It looked like something out of um, uh, Charles, the Charles Bronson movies. Um,
0: Death Wish? Yeah. No.
2: Oh, that's what it reminded me of. It yeah, was, where
0: was it. It was the uh, same location where they did the final scene of uh, John Wick 2.
3: Oh.
0: oh, where everybody stops dead, stops walking, and they have their conversation. And everybody starts walking again. The same. Damn. spot. Damn. I didn't even catch that. That's I cool. Feel bad now. That's is cool. <laughs> that's and a, then he just jumps and jumps in the river. Um, and the, oh, and the other thing was that was one of the coldest days on record <laughs> when he had to jump in the water. <laughs> of course, yeah. There's. And, and remember, I was talking about the thing about Sinatra. One of the things with him was he had to see all of his takes before he would allow them to run it to print. So there's actually an, in one of the interviews that I read where they oh uh, they were oh my interviewing. God, so he
1: approved that fighting scene. Oof. Yeah. yeah,
0: apparently. Well,
1: I mean, he wasn't in half of that fighting scene,
0: so <laughs> he didn't have to approve most of it. Well, John Frankenheimer, there was an interview with him where he was talking about that Sinatra wanted to see every single one of his takes before that he would allow it to go to film, and they were like, "Okay, well, they, we watched. They watched a whole bunch of his takes, watched all of his takes, were all right." And he goes, well, "What about the um the hydrangea scene? You know, where they were cut that into different parts." you know he's like there's a lot of editing on that one putting it together he's like eh, it's not really ready yet and sinatra's like i wanna see and how did he put it frankenheimer said something he sinatra said i want to see that cut in a tone of voice that meant someone's knees were going to get busted <laughs> that's that was literally his quote that sinatra was like you don't understand i'm not leaving you know you are showing me this cut so they quickly cut that whole scene together to show it to Sinatra so he didn't smack anybody around. And then they were just like, well, screw it. We're just leaving it that way. So that first and only take, only cut of that scene is the one that they showed to Sinatra. Nice. Just, uh, yeah. Something else about the hydrangea scene. Did you notice that when um, uh, Alan Melvin, James Edwards, the the black uh, corporal, when he went back and was remembering ev- everything, all the characters turned black?
1: Yes. Uh, and I thought that was really cool.
0: That I thought yeah. was a great twist. Yeah, that uh, whole the whole take of that scene was amazing.
1: Yes, the dream sequence was the best. There were a couple other moments, like uh, Sarah watched most of it with me. She had to go to bed before I finished it because we started it pretty late. But there were a couple moments where she gasped, and I was surprised too. Like when uh, Jocelyn shows up wearing the Queen of Diamonds costume and the sudden shocking death of Jocelyn. Yeah. And you realize that both of those moments were foreshadowed, but like, yeah, they're a big deal. And then you've got the ending, which also is fairly shocking because you don't really know how it's going to go.
3: Well, and it was also a little shocking when they were in the hydrangea scene and he's like, you know, choke. What? I forget the guy's name.
0: Oh, uh, uh, Strangle that, strangle that, uh, the private first class. No, he I shot guess- the private and he strangled the other guy.
3: He's like, yes, ma'am, and like the other guy's just sitting there with a smile on his face as he's, yeah, chokes him or you know, yeah, he's yeah, trying he to so like
2: fight it, yeah. Uh,
3: yes, ma'am. At that part, uh, talking
0: about you know being a little like kind of it was, it was like unnerving. Um, yeah. Reminded me of uh, uh, like Brazil level, oh, twistedness, like nothing is real type of thing. Um, something else about the ending, now Joshua was shocking, you know, where he shoots, you know, it's sixty I'm not doing spoilers, when he shoots his mother and his stepfather and then shoots himself uh, because he wanted to, because he made the decision to, in the book, um, Sinatra's character, uh, uh, Marco, under hypno- while he's under hypnosis, tells him to do it
1: oh okay so there was no deprogramming in the book they just like subverted the programming
0: right so marco at the end, end of the book apparently he's just like the only way we're going to end this is if all all three of them die so he has him kill he ha- tells him to kill his mom and his it. stepfather yeah
3: which you know to, to to if we're at the ending uh it's it's difficult when you have a film that number one is as long as this was and number two kind of has such a kind of not complicated, but, you know, there's a lot going on in the plot to have a satisfying ending. And I felt like the ending was satisfying with the way the story was told and the story that that you're, you, you know, you're put in front of what's put in front of you. uh, And it, just, it felt like it was the only way it, it should end. Um, it, it was a little, you know. It was dark. I yeah, I kind of, you know, you kind of it's telegraphed as far as what's going to happen but it's, it doesn't make it any less impactful.
0: Mm. No, this, this believe it or not, was actually my first viewing of this. Really? I thought yeah, for I, sure you would have seen it before. No, it's 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 on my list. I want to read the book. It's just one of those things where I've never never had the chance to. But huh. um,
1: Biggest surprise of the first half for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know, for me too. I was like, I, when I was sort of thinking about it, when we were talking about it last week, I was like, my God, I've never seen this movie, but I'm... Huh. This is another one. It's actually in the Criterion collection. So I'm going to pick up that Blu ray for that because this is another one of those I want to have in my collection, you know, of physical media. Copy. Yep. Yeah.
3: What do you mean? Who would want to do that?
0: Yeah. Some don't want to wait for streaming to take it off the air. Watch it now. But, uh, so what do you think? Take a break and move on to the new one? Yeah. Definitely. All right. When we come back, we're going to watch the remake, Manchurian Candidate, 2004. All right, we are back. I'm going to talk about 2004, um, Manchurian Candidate. And let's see, this has got, while the name of the novel of the earlier film retain retained, the significance of Manchurian was changed. In the original, the protagonist was captured in the Korean War and brainwashed by the Chinese in Manchuria. In the 2004 film, the Korean War replaced by the Gulf War, Manchurian is used instead as a name of a sinister multinational company. Dun-dun-dun. So, yeah. There you go. Maliburton! <laughs> Almost, right? wanted just yeah, put yeah. a big old... Could you be a little bit more subtle about that? All right, so this has got Jonathan Demme directing, who also did Philadelphia, Silence of the Lambs, and then something completely out of left field, Married to the Mob.
2: Which most people don't realize is the actual origin of the, the Q Lazarus Goodbye Horses song, not Silence of the Lambs.
3: Married to the Mob?
2: hmm
3: Really? Yep. Yeah. Huh. Is that when Kathleen Turner tucks in and sings it? <laughs> Goodbye, horse <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's the first spot on impression you've done in years.
3: <laughs> Fuck
0: you, Patrick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. <laughs> Moving on, Joy of course. I know <laughs> Based off the novel by Richard Condon and the screenplay by George Axelrod, this screenplay is done by Daniel Pine, who also did Some of All Fears, Doc Hollywood, and about ten episodes of the TV show Bosch. I like Doc Hollywood. Have you Have you watched Bosch? Nope. But I I know what it is. I've just never seen it. Good flick. Good flick. I mean, good, show. good show. Yeah. Uh, and then Dean DeJesus, who also did the screenplay, has The Meg, The Meg 2, The Trench, Laura Croft, Tomb Raider, Cradle of Life, and Paycheck on his resume. And he's still working. <laughs> um, and people are still hiring him for stuff. I mean, I mean...
3: Okay. To give them credit, they're they're good popcorn, entertaining kind of Saturday afternoon, nothing else to do, sick on the couch movies. But they're not something that you're going to be like, man, I really want to go watch that again. Like,
2: yeah. Wow. And I'm not I'm not literally trying to harp and and whatever on this point, but like this is from a man who willingly watches Sharknado, and he's yeah. telling you this movie is kind of whatever. Listen to him.
0: That says <laughs> something. Yeah. If I mean, have you
2: seen yeah, anyway? What?
0: Guess well, so? seeing it. I mean, seeing yeah. it, it, and then you I, saying, "Ah, that's I not something I'd." I hate
2: the Meg so much. I've only seen it once, and I only own the first one, not both of them.
0: Yeah. <laughs> see, that's that's terrible from you. I've not
3: actually seen the Meg yet. My kids seen it. But I haven't seen
2: it yet. Yeah. yeah. I have no desire to see. it. But
3: Laura Croft and, and Paycheck, I've seen. See, Paycheck no was, was all right. Any of those either.
1: Paycheck. Yeah, was okay. Paycheck was pretty good. Better yeah. than I thought it was going to be. Which one is that? Paycheck is the one with um. Ben Affleck, where he can yeah. remember the future.
2: Oh, yeah, I've, I hadn't seen that either. Yeah,
0: yeah. this was a, one
1: that like it was on TV, and I didn't expect too much out of it, but it's
0: it's actually pretty decent. And you know who it's uh the story's based off of? I mean not based off who wrote the story, it's based off of. Philip K. Dick.
2: Oh. Yeah, it's the same one from Johnny Mnemonic, right?
0: Johnny Mnemonic, the Mate not the Matrix. Um <laughs>
3: and it's directed by John Woo.
0: Uh Johnny Mnemonic. Crap, uh, Blade Runner. Uh, Do androids dream of electric sheep? Is the book that uh, that's based off of? It's got a
3: and it's got a great cast. I mean, on paper, it should be you know phenomenal. It's it's okay. It's it's fun. It's just not you know. It's not like Wait, gonna. I
1: yeah. got lost there. Did you guys think that uh, Phil K. Dick wrote Johnny Mnemonic? I was That's that's William Gibson.
0: What am I? I was trying of? to
1: parse that conversation there.
0: That whole yeah. time. What? What did? Okay, no, I'm thinking of because I know that there's a memories one, and I'm thinking of the story that actually paycheck was based off of because it's another one of those weird memory type. Yeah, but, no, that I think you're right. Yeah. I think it is
1: Philip K. Dick, but yeah, uh, Philip K. Dick didn't write Johnny Depp. Yeah, he did. That was
2: yeah. Yeah, I wasn't trying to say he did. I was just trying to say that. That's a similar type of movie.
1: Oh, but, okay. Okay. Yeah, that's... I, I just got lost in the threads there.
0: All right. Never no mind problem. me. No problem. So the cast is in a really weird order on IMDb, but I'm going with it. So Jeffrey I, I think Wright... It's a appearance is yeah, I appearance. Yeah, I think so. Jeffrey Wright as L. Melvin, and as soon as this popped up, I was like, you know what would be amazing? A Manchurian candidate Westworld crossover. <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey Wright, just like... I,
1: I have grown uh, since Westworld... Almost certainly, but uh, I've just, everything I've seen him in, he just kills it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've never seen him bad in anything.
3: I, ever since yeah. I saw Basquiat, I was like, this guy. Uh, yeah, I'm a fan.
2: The Manchurian Cyborg. I like Ooh, it. Ooh, yeah. Yeah.
0: The Manchurian uh, Candyland. Wait, what? Pablo Shriver, which is Leif Shriver's brother, plays Eddie Ingram. Uh, very early on, Anthony Mackey is Robert Baker. Right? I saw his name in the credits of my song.
1: I was like, oh my God, he's so young. Yeah. He's never
0: going to be Captain America now. Uh, Doran Missick as Owens. Jose Pablo Can- Cantillo as Villalobos. Lobos. Cantillo. Cantillo? Cantillo. Cantillo? Cantillo. Cantillo. Teddy Dunn as Wilson. Denzel Washington as Ben Marco. Robin my Hitchcock <laughs> as Lawrence Tokar. Leave Shriver as Raymond Shaw with his pinchable cheeks. <laughs> Bill Irwin as Scoutmaster. The only reason I put him in is because he's Mr. Noodle.
1: Oh, <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's weird that he's in the cast.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I looked at it. I have it in my notes. Is Mr. Noodle the Scoutmaster? And he's also in um, my uh, the Marvel movie Legion, the uh, TV show Legion. Oh, I still really haven't seen event. it. Yeah, oh, you need to. It's good stuff. Kimberly Elise as Rosie. John Voight as Senator Thomas Jordan, Meryl Streep as Eleanor Shaw, and Paul Lazar as Gillespie. Wait a minute. We're including Paul fucking Lazar. We're not mentioning Vera Farmiga. Right. How far? Maybe I didn't go far enough down on the...
1: Yeah, because Vera Farmiga is not only a pretty huge actress, but she she played Jocelyn, who's a pretty big well, character. Yeah. Oh, if yeah. this
2: is in order of appearance, she she didn't appear until like three-quarters of the way through the movie.
0: Fair. Okay. Because I know I stopped after they started showing pictures or after the pictures stopped showing up. But yes.
1: Yeah, stacked, stacked cast. Not all of them were who they would become. Like, obviously, uh, Denzel was Denzel.
0: Mm hmm. And he was great. He was almost channeling the same kind of character as uh, he played uh, Joel, which is the one where he was hunting the demons? Oh, shit. It was that same uh, kind. Yeah. Uh, John Goodman. Fallen. Yeah. Fallen. Yeah. Fallen, that, that same kind of, I mean, not not one of his best movies, but that same kind of trying to see behind it, the curtain type of thing. It was still fun. You know, yeah. again,
3: kind of like the movies we were talking about just a minute ago. It's, it's one of those. It's. Kind of a fun popcorn sort of thing.
0: Right. For sure. So Mick of the San Francisco Chronicle wrote of Meryl Streep. No one can talk about the acting in The Manchurian Candidate without rhapsodizing about Streep in the role originated by Angela Lansbury. She has the Hillary hair and the Karen Hughes attack dog energy, but the charm, the inspiration, and the constant invention are her own. She gives us a senator who's monomatic, a mad mommy and mas- master politician rolled into one. A one woman firing on so many levels that no one can keep up. Someone who loves being evil as much as Streep loves acting. She's a pleasure to watch and to marvel at every second she's on screen.
1: I'm not sure I agree. I
0: was hoping because I honestly, between the two, I think Angela Lansbury was more terrifying.
1: I like Meryl Streep as an actress. I think she's incredibly talented. I think she went too far in this. It's almost like no one told her that this is not a
0: satire. I agree with both of you. Angela Lansbury
3: made her, put her to shame as far as the character goes. Yeah,
0: Angela Lansbury, I think, was just straight out, Evil. I mean, she was demented evil in that, in the first one. This one, she, I think Meryl Streep plays more of the, more sociopathic.
1: Mm-hmm. And She's she was a little more def- obvious.
2: Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. She was chewing the scenery a bit, which is not something I normally associate with Meryl Streep.
2: Right. right. Like Angela Lansbury was very cunning and manipulative, but tried to look like she wasn't. Whereas mm-hmm. Meryl Streep pretty much looked the entire time like she was... Look at how cunning I am.
0: Yeah. She she kicked in the door on the first scene type of thing. Right. And I do
1: feel like she played it like she was doing political satire and everyone else was in a thriller.
3: Like she was in Wag the Dog and everybody else was in this movie.
0: Yeah. 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 She was more psychotic and less sinister. Anyway, the movie opens with Marco and Shaw's fellow soldiers playing a card game. This is a reference to the original Manchurian Candidate, in which cards play a very important role in the plot.
1: Yeah, I kept I waiting we'll... for
0: Solitaire. Right. Yeah.
1: Overall, I enjoyed this movie. Spoiler. But that card game scene went on a little too long.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in March 9th, 2018, interview conducted by Donald McLeod on the BBC website composer rachel portman said director jonathan dem dem or demi 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 asked for an intellectually scary score which she said she took to mean hitchcockian and that she wrote a whole score and we recorded it with an orchestra in london and a couple weeks later going over the film with demi he's like yeah it's not really what i'm looking for and then she had two weeks to write and record a new score yikes Let's 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 bring it to the teacher before the due date. <laughs>
1: Goodbye,
0: horses. <laughs> uh, there is also a brief shot of the Worldwide Plaza. This office complex is on the site of uh, the second Madison Square Garden, where in the original Manchurian Candidate, the assassination takes place. Inside and outside the old garden are shown in the original adaptation.
3: Huh. Yeah, that's a fun little bit of trivia there.
0: So, yeah, first viewing. Yes, for me. Also for me. Uh,
3: It's been on my list for a long time because I I love Denzel um, and I've been kind of parceling out his movies over the years. uh, But I hadn't gotten to this one yet, so I was glad to finally get to it.
2: Yeah, Uh, not a first viewing for me. Really? Yeah, my parents wanted to see this. so We saw it in the theater.
3: Cool. All right. Interesting. Out of all of us. But yeah, so the. Psych- I
2: used to see a lot of movies, Joel.
3: <laughs> I mean, you still do.
2: Not really. No, not especially compared to how I used to. No. Yeah. Oh. But yeah, That's I used sad. to watch, watch like a movie a week.
3: That's sad. I watch like three movies a day. I'm so sad, Patrick.
1: That's also sad. <laughs> well,
3: I bet if I'm working while I'm doing it, you know, I'm multitasking. <laughs> i
1: with you, dude. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that was too perfect of a setup.
0: Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the <laughs> psych scene, the brainwashing programming scene, while good, wasn't nearly as effective as the first one. I thought it was a mistake to not uh, to
1: do a fresh spin on the original uh, dream sequence to like talk about the dreams, but never show them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. I think after I watch these like almost like one right, right after the other. Thank and you. I just think the, that like we talked about that, aha, aha, oh my God moment from the first, you know, the hydrangea yeah, you conversation. Never really get something like that in this one. Nope. Yeah. It's like, well, there they are. They're putting chips in their heads. Like we thought, you know, it, there's no twist. There were not, I mean, not even, not even twist, but there's no figuring it out for yourself.
1: Well, and there were some twists and one, there are two things that this film did that were intensely interesting pretty much every thing I said that doesn't work that way in the first film was recognized by Jonathan Demme and corrected. Mm -hmm. Uh, he, He addressed all of those things that didn't work in the first one and made them work. And the plot made sense. There was no huge like, yeah, that just that contrivance just happened. So there can be a movie. Also, I think in a lot of ways, this film presumes familiarity with the original and wants to keep you on the edge of your seat. When things start to twist out of control and you realize this isn't exactly the same story. And now I don't know where it's going to go.
0: Right. Like, Which... like Rose in this one, when she would when turn out that she was a plant. Uh-huh. I was, I was like, God vindicated, you know? <laughs> um, and, The, uh, him going back to his girlfriend, his ex girlfriend, and she being like, yeah, no. You know, just him being the
1: candidate is a big change.
0: Right. I, which I, you know, I
3: figure we'll talk about the ending more later, but I don't know if I agreed with that decision, but we'll, we'll get to that more when we get to the the ending of the movie.
1: Well, it addresses the would the bad guy's plot work and is it a good plan plot hole from the first movie. Mm hmm. It was a better plan in terms of could it be successful for what they wanted than the original, in my opinion. And,
2: and for and for amount of effort spent for results gotten.
3: But was it as effective as a as a as an actual ending to the film emotionally and so forth? That sort of thing, I guess, is where I'm I'm looking at. Uh, but we'll, we'll get there in a minute. But yeah, um, for sure, for sure. I have to give credits to absolutely everyone involved with this movie, regardless of my ultimate end thoughts on the project, the, the, the product. I was going to say project. That's not what I meant. I thought you were going to start uh, um, scatting. Right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I felt like there was nobody phoning in a performance. Everybody was on board, it felt like to me. And uh, I got to give a lot of credit to Lee Schreiber, who I like anyway, but he was uh, he was like really on point with that character.
0: Yeah. He, he played that kind of like psycho. Like you can tell that whenever everybody was talking about what a wonderful person he was, he's definitely, you can tell he's not from the very beginning. There's yeah. Well, in a on. lot of
1: ways, Shaw in both versions of Shaw aren't necessarily bad people. They're just not likable. They're cold and distant and don't know how to make friends. And that's one of the things is your first clue that something's off here because like people didn't really like him, but everyone's talking about how much they loved him. And he just, yeah.
2: Any of the flashback scenes that they show of the battle are all just very like weirdly shot and they sound off. And like it, 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 at first I was like, man, this is, you know, Really badly done, as far as like you were seeing, and then you kind of realize after a while it's like, oh, it's because it's meant to sound fake and look fake and feel off and everything.
3: Mm-hmm. But then you hear him give his speech, or you know where he's out in the public, um, you know, on the campaign trail, and you can see why people would like him and get behind him and want to vote for him.
1: But that's because they adjusted his personality. That's not exactly. who he was. That's who right. mommy made him.
3: Exactly, and that's why I'm saying his yeah. his portrayal was one of the best parts of the movie. I thought, because um, he did walk that line between who he really was, who they wanted him to be and who he just, you know, couldn't quite figure out. Cause he was messed up, uh, in his own head.
1: And in the which, end, who he decided to be.
3: Right. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I give him a lot of credit. I mean, I, like I said, I like him anyway, but I was very impressed.
2: Uh, a quick side note is, uh, why does Lieutenant Marcos not know what a U-valve is in a in a sink? Like, if you drop something down the sink, you can pretty easily retrieve it.
0: Because he <laughs> was going... Because he had... Okay. If you just pulled the chip out of your back, he was kind of frazzled. Yes, and he but at some
2: point you realize, oh, it's got to be down here.
0: Yeah, I did. He doesn't I also know what a
1: P-trap is. I, yeah, I, I mean, he know. might
0: have been like, you know, well, that's gone. I don't, I, like, I I don't know. It's, anyway, he redeemed himself by chewing the thing out of uh, Lee Shriver's back yeah, later right. on. Yeah.
1: That was <laughs> badass. That that was was between
0: his bad. teeth and having it there through the whole police interrogation. Right. And then he's "It." Like... Did, it I was going to say also when they, um, when Jeffrey Wright, his whole his whole storyline, drifts a little bit into seven. Was when the, they go go to his apartments notebooks and all that yeah yeah everything written on the walls i was like ah this went a little creepy you know i i think this did a good job of keeping the i mean it, it laid stuff out a little bit clearer and i think josh is right in where it took some of the contrivances out and that's why the storyline moves so much faster
1: right i mean there is not as much tension as there was in the original, but they've replaced the missing tension with equal measures of paranoia. And I want to talk a little bit about Jonathan Demme does this. He wants to make things feel claustrophobic and unnerve the audience a little bit by having the actors look directly at the camera in certain points and uh, framing the shots closer than you normally would for a feature film.
0: Like with Miguel Ferrer?
1: With Miguel Ferrer. He did it all the time with Denzel. Mm-hmm. where uh when he's go- disassociating, uh, the camera's up almost too close, not like a close-up on the eyes or a close-up on the nose, but just closer than you would want for a full-face shot of an actor in a normal movie. And he's looking directly at the camera like he's looking at you. And just knowing uh what Demi did with Silence of the Lambs, this is not... None of these choices are accidental. Right. He, he uh, wanted to portray a very particular mood of paranoia and unnerved the audience. And I think he was overall successful in using the technique.
0: Yeah, it, 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 he definitely did a good, do a good job of carrying you along on the, on the journey that um, Ben Marco was going on. You know, like he was, he was a catalyst for everything. He was like the, the, the ship on this whole thing. And the other things that I did, I did notice that ways to make the villains just a little bit more psychopathic. I don't know if it's a psychopathic, i a little bit more, I don't mean, annoying or whatever. But even the point of having um, <sighs> Meryl Streep being an ice chewer. Oh, yeah. I thought that was did an you interesting touch. Yeah. Yeah. At yeah. the restaurant. Yeah. She's, she's crunching the ice. And I'm like, you know, I know it's I know it's conjecture. I know it's just. You know, spoken stories and all that, but there's always that people that chew ice. There's something wrong with them in the head type of thing. And that's just <laughs> one little, one more little thing that hey. they put in there. Hey, what am I wrong?
2: I chew ice.
3: I know. Exactly. <laughs> uh, it was also a lot less um, subtext, the incestuous moment. Uh, yeah. At yep. the end. It was text. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was. Ooh, I think she's fucking him.
3: It was basically, you know, like a red tube video. Um, uh, the, star- or the start of yeah. it anyway. Yeah, uh,
0: okay. We forgot
1: to mention Dean Stockwell in the cast as well. He was part of the Manchurian uh contingent, Manchurian Global. Oh, that's right. And, and like, <laughs> I remember when they had their reaction uh, afterwards, it's kind of like past the climax of the movie, but uh we could talk about the end without talking about the ending. Like I especially liked his reaction where it was like, everything was taken out of him. Like he, he crumpled like a puppet whose strings had been cut. Mm -hmm. I also liked that
3: Roger Corman was involved. Oh, that was a fun little, little, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, cameo. Speaking of, of small parts. (laughs) You
0: know, you know what one of the, uh, one of my favorite parts of this was a real stupid little part where they have Denzel locked up after he tried to chew out um, leaves back, and that one agent goes, "You want to hit me? Go <laughs> ahead, hit me!" And he just pops him square in the face, and like two seconds later, he hit me!" Yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> I, just, I laughed out loud on that one. I thought that, and I, yep, you know what? I, I think that too. was very good for like a little a little tension breaker, and everything that's going on there. But yeah, that. That was pretty he, good. In the asked for it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Similar to the scene in um, Last Boy Scout with Bruce Willis telling tell the guy what he's going to do to him. Similar.
0: Similar. That's all I'm saying. Similar. Do you think if you found a chip under your shoulder, would you be able to cut it out of you?
1: Like a potato chip? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Like, because <laughs> that's happened. <laughs> it's like, I cut open my back. I found a can of Pringles.
2: <laughs> I started just slicing my back off. It turns out I I taste delicious.
0: <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> Can't eat just one. <laughs> no, I mean that's a question. Let's say you I mean you you reach back, you scratch back, and you're like, holy shit, I got something back there now. It's and it's you're like, I it mean, feels like
2: considering I have I have pulled things out of myself and cut things off and done yeah you're I okay yeah. you know what i'm gonna tell you right I
0: now this would. question does not go with you
2: <laughs> i pulled my own stint out of my penis so i'm, I'm sure yeah, I'm out
1: of my fucking shoulder yeah Where are aware i'm pretty sure if i knew it back there i couldn't help but get it out i'm, I'm i've am i got the bad habit of like if i've got uh, a pimple or something i, I got a you I pick at it, it. Yeah, that's
2: why yeah. I can't have tattoos. I can't have things on my skin. No. So, yeah, I would definitely dig it out.
0: I think this year at Gen Con, we should take a whole bunch of temporary tattoos and put them no, on don't No, I don't, think, I don't and...
2: think we should. No, I don't think we should. That, Let's just get him we... a real tattoo. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
1: just says gamer across his forehead. Yeah. The, <laughs> Gothic letters. The, the
2: amount of alcohol it would take to get me to agree to a tattoo or to pass out to where you could tattoo me, the only person that would possibly even be conscious would be Josh.
3: No, we got to put it somewhere where you can see it. Maybe
2: Mike. Maybe Mike. But I mean, the the problem is Mike. Mike drinks for for marathons. You know, Mike is a oh. marathon drinker, not a sprinter.
3: Let's put it on his penis.
1: <laughs> you said something. He said, "See, t- that's a nice." <laughs> that's a good point. That's a valid point.
0: Uh, oh, thanks for bad. that. Thanks for that underhand, yeah. right over the plate. Yeah, oh, that was, that was, that was nice. beautiful. Definitely a valid. Oh. Point. God bless it (laughs) Oh, But uh, character actors Miguel Ferrer, Tracy uh, Walter As the guy running the hotel He was only only in there real quick But uh, they had a lot of I mean everybody in this cast Was handpicked It wasn't just like generic person 101 I think there was a lot went into Everybody that was in this I liked it spoiler I, I did
1: too i i thought that, uh, i honestly feel like the, these two movies only seeing one of them only gives you half the picture they each have their own like problems and uh neither is perfect but together i'm glad i've seen both
0: you know what it just brought up it popped in my head What? You have his security detail, that dude who's always scouting out every room for him. This is, you know, I'm in charge of making sure that he stays safe. Nothing's going to happen. I'm going to put you in this hotel room. Oh, leave me be. I'll be all right. And then he walks into the closet, which, first off, the trigger word being his name is kind of weird. No. Yeah.
3: It's, it's like a series, though. It's like your name, then your name, your full name, and then your full name with your middle name or something like that. Just right. Like oh, yeah, you're right. I mean,
2: that's not something that is a zero percent percent chance somebody's going to stumble on, right? Like, well, I but mean, I think it's some, some it's, telemarketer could possibly do that to you, trying to I think, yeah. I mean, rank
1: is in the middle, though. Like I, I think Joel's right. I think it's like your your name, first and last name, your rank, your first and last name, then you, not your rank, but your first middle and last name. I'm yeah, not I'm not,
2: I'm not disagreeing that it's a it's it's a <clears throat> lesser known code, but there's not a it's not a zero percent chance, is what I'm saying.
0: Yeah. yeah it, yeah, it'd be pretty small um, though. My point on this one is, like your tattoo. That, yes, <laughs> yeah. that um, security detail about around this guy is tight all the time. Goes in this hotel room, go in the closet. They just like kind of like move this wall out of the way, and there's a whole freaking lab through this door. Yeah. Where they the scene? What do you mean? Yeah, how does nobody? How does? But it's,
2: it's, it's one of those things that, like, the way I can hand wave that is just simply because rankings and whatever. Like, I mean, if if some guy who's w- working security detail for a p- potential candidate versus, like, the NSA, well, the NSA is probably going to be able to thwart the, the fucking head of security for the candidate guy.
1: What? And the head of security is the guy who plants the sniper rifle at the end. So it's clear yeah. he works for Manchurian World. Oh, yeah. that's oh. right. I
0: totally forgot about that. He knows yeah, what's I, up. Good point. I, I rescind the there. I rescind yeah. the statement. It all makes he's sense saying. now. Shut up, Joel. Well, and Manch-
1: Manchurian it. must own the hotel. Otherwise, mm-hmm. there's no way that lab could have gotten in there without somebody. Right. Knowing. And, right? That's just, right. and that's
0: just like the lab in the first one. You know, they, they have everything from this floor and these top two floors. Everything else was a, what did he call it, a my notes it's a rest home for wealthy alcoholics
1: oh that was the other thing they corrected in this is like during the height of the cold war you got a bunch of russian and chinese agents just running around in uh near uh powerful government figures that doesn't happen Mm -hmm. but uh, making them like big political donors all of a sudden it makes sense yeah Mm -hmm.
0: well they say in the movie cash is king No,
1: Cassius Clay.
3: So the ending, we should talk about the ending. Herbie Hancock.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Correct. All right. Yes. The ending. Uh, well, as I stated
3: earlier and, uh, you know, I
2: don't spoil it. I'm still watching it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, that tracks.
3: (laughs) Can't spoil it. If you've already seen it, uh, I preferred the original ending. I felt it had more of an impact. And I understand that, you know, maybe it didn't make as much sense in terms of the storyline as the, the retelling, but I, I found it to be a stronger ending to me.
2: For him to shoot himself,
3: for him to shoot his, his mother, his stepfather, and, uh, himself then before sinatra could save him because you know you you build up to this big finale and you you know typically in most movies there's some sort of a you know a happy ending or something where the somebody walks away and maybe they're a little damaged or something you know it's, it's not always a clean and happy ending but that one just was like boom done things are resolved but are they you know really Um, and I didn't like that. It didn't, there wasn't, I liked that there wasn't anything more after it. Whereas I felt like in this one, he doesn't have that opportunity to, to, to do the same thing to himself. And they show kind of where he ends up after.
1: Okay. So it wasn't the fact that, uh, he, uh, that leave Schreiber, that Shaw maneuvered himself and there was this whole, these are the two people we are choosing to be despite our programming, which we can't break. Like, I thought that was a strong choice, but I don't entirely disagree with you that uh, the major getting saved and then there being another 10 minutes of movie might've been a weaker choice. You actually yeah. might be right on that. Because I liked... Oh. Uh, I liked the the bit where he maneuvers his mom for the dance and the two guys are like, we got to do this, but we're doing it our way and choosing to be who we are. Well, you could
3: see how nervous she was as soon as he missed or as soon as he was off the mark. Uh And she's like, Mm -hmm. what is happening? And she could tell the whole time she's like freaking out. But she went with it because what are you going to do? You're on a giant stage in front of thousands of people. And uh, yeah, she didn't really have a choice
0: i
1: they I'm, only... I'm, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, Mike. no. I was going to
0: say, I'm not sure. I think... I think well, the thing that I liked about the original ending is that far as we knew, there was closure. There was the end. You know, the, the evil people were taken care of, and I think that was needed for the time that it was made. You know, the traitors were shot, that everything and the guy, you know, he knew that he was been created to be a monster assassin. He... Monster... um kills himself this one i think they left the ending the way it was because you're never being it being a huge global corporate company that you're not sure if it's over and that was what i got from the ending of this one yeah the you know he had put the the metal in the water and all that and they had that sort of thing at the end but at the end there was no real like this isn't going to happen again because you know that there's this gigantic well, monolith. Jonathan of a business Demi out there. is
2: not exactly a fan of leaving all loose ends tied up. He likes to like leave you
0: in a lurch. something to talk about afterwards. Yeah.
1: Well, and they said how the, uh, they're going to play it. I mean, obviously, the Manchurian Global is damaged. Like, we see that in the ending. But the the way they're going to play it is, I'm shocked that one of our subsidiaries was involved in this horrible thing, and there's a bad PR hit. They lose billions, but they
0: don't go away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I.
2: It's like any, any oil company with an oil spill, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's a black eye, and we lose some money, but we'll get over it.
1: Mhm.
0: I yeah. uh, I also I like thought f- it
1: was interesting that uh the only reason they had any uh amount of control over who they were was probably because those uh chips in their shoulders were taken out. Mhm. Like
2: like literally the only physical evidence of what had happened.
1: But those were also probably like if those chips were still in their shoulder, they probably w- wouldn't have been able to make any decisions for themselves once they were activated. That was my read on it anyway.
2: But I think it was one of those things where they realized, like, if if once they realized they were in them, if anybody found them, turned them in or whatever, like I said, straight up physical evidence. Did anybody else hear that noise?
0: What noise? I did. Yeah, I did too. All right. No, Are we stop good? it.
2: Is the recording okay? Everything
0: alright? Oh. It was just yeah, like a burst of static.
2: Alright, I just wanted to make sure it wasn't something worse Oh, now. I okay, thought I, you
3: were saying man, somebody's I guess, listening. No, 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 Mike, no, no obviously
2: I, mark the time.
0: Yeah, I've got it. Don't worry, nobody's listening. <laughs> of course not. So, So yeah, I guess I mean, some, yeah, I Thumbs up, thumbs down?
2: Thumbs, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll go first. What the hell? Uh, okay. I guess I, I had to say thumbs up for the original, and and definitely thumbs up for the for the new. So, now that I mean, yeah, they weren't neither one of them like you know completely blew me away, but they were definitely both enjoyable. So.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm with Patrick on this. I'm thumbs up for both, but uh, most completely thumbs up watching both together because mm-hmm. uh, a lot of them like they kind of shore up each other's weaknesses.
0: Yeah, I enjoyed them both. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Uh, yeah, I mean, despite
3: some some issues with with pacing and, and the storytelling in the original uh, and some of the problems I just had with little things here and there in the, the remake, I agree with what all of you have said. So thumbs up for both as well.
1: Oh, Joel just brought something up that I am like 40 minutes late to mention, something that drove me crazy about the original. There were what? so many scenes with people Telling each other about the plot where both characters know what's going on. Like I, here is our evil plan, which you came up with two years ago because you are a Soviet agent. It's like, <laughs> well, he knows who he is, and you both know the
0: plan. There is no reason for this conversation to happen. Was, yeah, I mean, and I think that, that was, that was just
2: com- go ahead. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, I was gonna say, I
0: think that may have just been a thing of the time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And it's also my biggest complaint, you know, of that of that movie. Despite the pacing, that's not my biggest complaint. My biggest complaint would be a lot of clunky dialogue.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it just drives me crazy now that I'm starting to uh, see fiction. like They don't do that at all in the, the remake, where there are people who are having a conversation about things both of them know about, so they have no reason to talk about it. If information goes to you, it's someone who does know explaining it to someone who doesn't.
0: And it was—it's kind of weird because they had that clunky expository dialogue in the original, but then they had that amazing hydrangea scene where you have to figure that all out for yourself as it happened, mm-hmm. right? Which was super effective. It's like, yeah, it's,
2: it's like they had different writers for different scenes, almost. Kind of, yeah. And which might be true. I mean, they might have had you know farmed out some scenes.
0: Could have perhaps. been. Yeah. All right. There you go. Yeah, there you go. There we you we got are. it.
1: All right, so if you have your thoughts on either of the Manchurian uh, movies or maybe there is another older film like 60s and uh, before that we haven't done yet as a remake and you want to hear us talk about it, let us know. Give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's seven zero eight six six nine nine seven two seven.
0: Yep, I double that another thumbs up on that of course and the more old school movies that I get to watch I uh, watch again watch uh, watch more as um, totally for uh again if you're looking for a back catalog of shows you can find them on your favorite podcast apps such as podbean or Pandora give us a thumbs up or give us a review and if you enjoy our shows share them out send them to a friend you have some someone who wears a lot of tinfoil hats and that sort of thing send them this <laughs> show they'll love it uh, that's funny Joel what do we got coming up?
3: Tinfoil hats. Oh, um, we're going to be uh, talking about office space versus the uh, recent show Severance. Um, we're going to be getting married with Father of the Bride, little house party jammy jam, maybe some day there should still. We got lots of cool stuff coming up, man. Nice. Lots of cool stuff.
0: Well, everybody, thank you for listening. Adjust your tinfoil hats and check yourself for chips and have a great night. We'll be back next week. Mm. Chips. Chips. <laughs> Green Acres is the place to be. Farm living is a life for me.
2: Land spread.
0: Uh-huh. I don't know the rest of it
1: something 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 countryside oh, I love you just give me that countryside
3: New York is where I'd <laughs> rather stay I <laughs> get I the get electric electric smelling. Bending, hey. hey, I just adore penthouse view darling I love you but gimme park avenue
1: Zha Zha into Bella Lugosi there first Zha Zha Lugosi
0: Fresh oh. air Well Eva at least
3: You are my wife Goodbye city life Green acres we are there <laughs>